having smaller goals is really helpful. Like, I don't think if I had started breastfeeding my first and thought like, I'm going to feed him till almost two years. Like, I don't, I feel like that would have felt overwhelming, but just as our, as our journey progressed and evolved, it just felt like that was right for us. And I think that it's important to just kind of take it one day at a time and set smaller goals and kind of be in the moment and not look too far ahead at the big picture. Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Maria. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts in all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And welcome to the show. Hey, friends, it's Shelly. And for today, it's just going to be me because the wonderful Maria is on vacation with her daughter, Morgan, and she doesn't have internet access where she is. So I wanted to start off with just some um, housekeeping announcements. So we have our virtual breastfeeding class and our virtual newborn classes. Our virtual breastfeeding class, our next one is Thursday, May 4th. And for our virtual newborn care class, our next class is Thursday, May 11th. And both of those, the prenatal breastfeeding class starts at 6.30 and runs until about 9. And our newborn care class starts at 6 p.m. and runs till 8 p.m. And those are EST times. So both those classes are virtual, but they are live. So they're not a pre-recorded class. So you join, you can ask questions as you go through the class. And both those classes are taught by the wonderful Maria. So if you're interested in taking those classes, you can sign up on our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com. And we hold both those classes once a month. We also have our upcoming feed infant feeding support group for those who are local to us. That meeting is the second Thursday of the month from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at our office in Worcester. So again, this is a free support group for if you are bottle feeding, breastfeeding, combo feeding, however you're feeding your baby. And it is 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the second Thursday of the month at our office in Worcester. Okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, I wanted to talk about a an article that I stumbled across, and it's about the Henry Ford West Bloomfield Hospital in Michigan. Now they had back in back in 2017, their C section rate was 26.8 percent, which is lower than the national average C-section rate of 32%, but is higher than the recommended C-section rate by the World Health Organization. So they started this initiative to reduce its C-section rates. And basically the things that they started doing was they introduced midwifery services for their low-risk patients. They started offering education support to their patients, like educational materials, classes, workshops on natural birthing techniques and pain management. They started to encourage feedbacks, vaginal birth after C-section, and they took measures to improve communication between the healthcare providers and the patients. And they also worked to really reduce early inductions and elective C-sections. So based on those efforts, their C-section rates dropped from 26.8% to 17.8% in just one year. So this is a great example that this can be done and you can reach those World Health Organization goals of a lower C-section rate if you take the time and you put in the money and you put in the energy and you put in the training of the staff to do it. So kudos to the Henry Ford West Bloomfield Hospital in Michigan. And I hope to see other hospitals taking the same measures to reduce C-section rates. And now let's do our question of the week. This week's question was submitted through Instagram. And the question is, my 14-week-old started to randomly dislike bottles, and I'm wondering why. So this can happen, and I know Maria and I have talked about this before on the podcast, but a lot of times when I'm working with a bottle, a baby who's refusing the bottle, it is a three- or a four-month-old baby. 
occasionally I'll get babies who are younger than three or four months. But typically, if I am doing a bottle consult, the baby is a little bit older, that three to four month. And why? Right? Because this is a question I get from parents. Like most of the time, the baby was taking a bottle just fine. And then all of a sudden, something changed and they started to refuse the bottle. And why does that seem to happen around that three-month mark? Well, it's because babies are born with a sucking reflex. And that reflex starts to go away at around-ish three months old. So if your baby had preferences, if they had dyslexic, maybe they didn't like the, the nipple on the bottle that much, their sucking reflex kind of overrode their desires and would get them to suck on the nipple anyway. That sucking reflex goes away around three months. So all of a sudden, babies have more say of what they want to suckle on. And so you can have a baby that takes a bottle pretty easily, and then all of a sudden, they don't take a bottle. And a lot of times I'll see this when parents take a break from bottles and let several weeks go by without offering the bottle. So now my recommendations when parents are working with babies who are feeding difficulties, especially if they have like high palates or tongue ties, is don't let weeks and weeks go by without offering a bottle. At the very minimum, you want to be offering a bottle at least twice a week just to remind your baby that food comes from the bottle too. And it doesn't have to replace the feeding. You can offer just a small snack in between breastfeeding sessions, like a half an ounce to an ounce in the bottle just to remind baby like, hey, bottles are cool too. You can get a bottle while I'm away from you and still be fed. So if your baby is having trouble taking a bottle, if once you get them to start taking the bottle again, don't take any breaks, at least offer the bottle pretty regularly. If you cannot get them to take the bottle again, then definitely book a bottle consult with a bottle savvy IVCLC. Thanks for that question this week. And if you have a question that you want me and Maria to answer on the podcast, you can message me over at in, on Instagram at Shelly Tapped IBCLC. And this week, we are going to be talking all about extended or biological nursing, which is nursing into toddlerhood. Now, I did this with my children. My two oldest nursed until they were past two years old and my youngest nursed until he was three. And a lot of people can find this shocking, but we're going to talk about all the benefits and realistically what our babies were, how long our babies were meant to nurse for. And that is coming up. Recently, the American Academy of Pediatrics updated their breastfeeding guidelines so that it states that breastfeeding for two years is recommended and beyond that, as long as baby and child would like. And I know that stirred up a lot of thoughts and feelings for a lot of parents out there who had success with breastfeeding or who struggled with breastfeeding on both ends. And a lot of questions were being thrown around, like why nurse a baby past year old, never mind past two or past three. But there are benefits to extended or biological nursing. And today we are talking with Phoebe all about that. Phoebe is a pediatric nurse practitioner and an aspiring IBCLC. She has four children between the ages of five and 11. When she's not supporting lactation clients, Phoebe enjoys volunteering at a therapeutic horseback riding program, is an avid fan at her children's various athletic pursuits. She likes to read, bake, and she loves spending time and traveling with her family. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I have been a pediatric nurse practitioner for about 13 years. And about five years ago, decided I wanted to start my journey towards becoming a lactation consultant after having breastfed all, breastfed all four of my children. So went about starting my studying and did a CLC course to become a lactation counselor and then continued my coursework and did an internship to become an IBCLC. Just sat for my boards last month. And now the agonizing wait. Exactly. <laughs> so what made you, when you were pregnant with your first, what made you kind of decide like, I'm going to breastfeed? I guess it wasn't ever something I really 
thought that much about. It was just, I always assumed that I would breastfeed my children. My mom had breastfed my sisters and me. And um, I guess I've always sort of had a more natural, holistic, like idea about how I wanted to raise my children. And so just, I never really considered other alternatives. It was just my plan from, from day one. So it always kind of fit into your family values. Exactly. And my husband mm-hmm. was on board. So mm-hmm. it was never, never really a, a source of ambiguity for us in yeah. our parenting journey. I love that. I, I remember when I was pregnant with, with Brooke, I didn't even think about it. And I know to you, that must seem weird because it was just like, well, duh, of course I'm going to breastfeed. But to me, I didn't even put any thought of it until actually my hairdresser was like, oh, are you going to breastfeed? And I was like, oh, I don't know, I guess. And then she started the wheels turning. When you got pregnant with your first, what was your goal for breastfeeding? Like how long did you plan on breastfeeding? I guess having gone through nursing school, I had sort of like the AAP recommendations kind of in brained in me that AAP, AAP recommended exclusive breastfeeding until six months, then introduction of complementary foods, and then breastfeeding until a year as at, at the point that was at that time, that was the recommendation to a year. Um, and I just sort of figured I would, I would do that and kind of see how it, how it was going and take it from there. And did you have any struggles with breastfeeding any of your kids? I really didn't. Um, for me, the probably the biggest challenge was pumping. Um, just I really didn't enjoy pumping. Um, right. When my oldest was four months, that's when I went back to work. And um, I was working in a very busy pediatric practice. So it was just really hard to fit in the time to pump at work. And how long did you breastfeed your first? I breastfed my first until he was about 22 months old. Okay, so you almost made it to two years. I did. I had my... Um, second child when my first was about 19 months and just decided to continue at that continue through my pregnancy continue at that point and then it just kind of felt like the time was right to to wean him Mm -hmm. was it easy to wean him I think there was a lot of anticipation and dread about the process but it Mm -hmm. was not as bad as I expected it would be I think that happens a lot. Like we're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And then you're just like, okay, we're kind of done nursing. And the toddler's like, okay. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> yes. I think that we do kind of build it up in our heads to be this whole big, scary thing. And and some kids, of course, are more challenging mm-hmm. um, and more, and some are more adaptable. Um, and we just, my husband and I just kind of came up with a plan and we stuck to the plan and it worked and it was much easier than we anticipated it would be. Nice. So you had mentioned like the AAP guidelines. Can you tell us a little bit about what those guidelines look like now? So just in the last six months or a year or so, the AAP has um, changed that upper limit, I guess, not limit, but upper end of their recommendation. So they still recommend exclusive breastfeeding until six months and then introduction of complementary foods. And now they have changed the what used to be one year to two years. And they say continued breastfeeding till t- two years, as long as it's mutually desired by both mom and baby. So it's kind of like the American Academy of Pediatrics caught up to what the World Health Organization has been advising for years, ever since exactly. I was in this field. Yeah, exactly. That's been the the WHO recommendation for a long time and the AAP just caught on. Can you talk a little bit about what, why it looks different or what looks different in the U.S. when it comes to how long we breastfeed versus the rest of the world? Yeah. Breastfeeding in the United States is very different from lots of other places in the world for a variety of reasons, but several of those are around return to work expectations and workplace environments. So in the the United States, many people return to work at about 12 weeks. Some some return even earlier. Some parents have to return to work after two weeks. Some breastfeeding parents have to return at at two weeks. Some in six to eight weeks. But in other, lots of other places around the world, parents have a year or even 18 months of parental leave. And so there's a lot that goes along with that just as far as as stress, 
logistics, like I talked about my challenge of finding time in my busy workday to breast, um, to pump. Many workplaces are not very, very, very supportive of parents who need to pump. They don't, some have private pumping rooms, some don't. Some parents talk about having to pump in bathrooms. Some have offices where they can shut doors, others don't. So that can be really challenging. And just along with our expectation that work, that parents who return to work so early is just this sort of general sort of societal expectation that there's just not a lot of support for working parents. It's really hard in the United States to be a working parent, period. And especially during those first few months when if you are breastfeeding and, and need to be taking care of an infant as well. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And that, I think, was part of the uproar when the AAP updated their guidelines to say, no, you should breastfeed for two years. How? Right? Because where's the policy change that's going in the legislation that's going to allow that to happen? Because you and I live in Massachusetts where we do have paid maternity and paternity leave up to 12 weeks. Is it 12 weeks or 16 weeks? I'm having a brain fart 12. right now. I think it's 12, 12 weeks. Right. And that, and that's like a state legislative thing, but anywhere else in the country, if they, if those state laws aren't in place, it's just not going to happen. And I have met a lot of families, especially in the medical fields, like residents who do have to go back after two weeks. And if you are a high school student, you are expected to be back in class in two weeks. And I can't, I feel so bad for these parents. I cannot imagine, you know, especially if you had a C-section, that's like major abdominal surgery. So you're bleeding out of your vagina. You possibly have this like surgical incision that's healing on your abdomen. Your breasts are leaking milk. Your nipples might be cracked and bleeding depending on how breastfeeding is going. And you're way overtired. You, two weeks is not long enough to recover from the birth, even a vaginal birth. And you're expected to be in class or at work. I mean, no wonder why our breastfeeding rates are so dismal. And what makes me really sad about the U.S. is our initiation rates are high. Like most of our parents do start off breastfeeding, but the farther you get along, three weeks it drops, six weeks it drops, and then three months it significantly drops. Because again, that's when most people have to go back to work and they can't figure out the pumping and they don't have those protections in place. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a lot of good points. like. I think the first thing you mentioned about the AAP recommendations is I think that that it was well intended, but the way it was received, I think that, um, I mean, I think that there's so much, you know, mom guilt that people experience that when you see like, oh, we recommend you continue breastfeeding until two years. And that's just another thing that, that breastfeeding parents take on, like, oh, I'm supposed to continue till two years. Like, how am I supposed to do that? That just the logistics. And like you said, the, the policies, they're just not in place to make that a reality for most families. There are some cultures around the world where birthing parents aren't even supposed to leave their room for a month mm-hmm. while they recover. So that the idea of having to be back at school or work within the first couple of weeks is just, it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for a family in the U.S., like to to hear originally, like you sh- you should breastfeed for a year, that alone can seem really daunting and overwhelming and hard. And then now to hear, oh, never mind, we we want you to breastfeed for two years. Uh, a lot of parents got quite angry at that. And and the, and their feelings are valid because how can you put these expectations on these families without the support systems? And so when you, I think when you talk to people in the US about like how long babies should be breastfed or how long babies breastfeed just in general, our viewpoint is very different from the rest of the world. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I also think that sometimes people just don't don't know where to go for support, that there might be support out there that could help them towards their goals if, if they intend to continue breastfeeding longer, if they mm-hmm. do have to go back to work early and they want to have a plan in place, but they just don't know where to go for support. Mm-hmm. And so there's a term for if you are breastfeeding past a year or in, or for some people past two years, and we call it extended nursing. But some people feel like we shouldn't use that term extend. Do you remember learning about this a few years ago? 
that we should use the term extended nursing. We should use the term biological nursing because, you know, language matters. And if you walk around saying extended nursing, it makes it sound like you're nursing them past the time that it was meant that our species were meant to nurse our young. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go to other parts of the world where breastfeeding is in their culture and they have the paid maternity leave, no one bats an eye at someone breastfeeding like a two-year-old or a three-year-old. Whereas here it'd be like, wow, you're still nursing. You're still nursing. Yeah. Because not too many people do it because we don't have those support systems in place. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, lots of other places around the world, it's totally normal to be to be breastfeeding an older child. Mm-hmm. And it's just here it's you're out outside the the norm if that's what you do. And um I do think you're right. That terminology extended can be harmful because, because it does kind of give it this uh, negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when I teach my breastfeeding classes, I always bring up, you know, cause one of the questions we go over is how long should you breastfeed? And I always bring up the worldwide average is, you know, the range is three to seven years with most babies nursing until they're four years old. And it blows the parent's mind. Like they, they can never imagine nursing a four-year-old, never mind, you know, a seven-year-old too. In some cases, they're still nursing. Do you and find think, that that to be true too? Yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with the the comment you made earlier about breastfeeding initiation rates are very high here. And just because of the supports that that you get to two months out, three months out, like they, they drop off pretty precipitously. And so I think that people have those, statistics in mind and it just they can't comprehend that around the world that's not the norm it's just Mm -hmm. what's the norm here in our in our cult in our society right so as someone who did biological nursing or extended nursing whatever you prefer to call it tell us a little bit about what your journey looked like because a lot of people when they hear like oh your two-year-old's still nursing they're picturing like you're putting your two-year-old to the breast every two to three hours and it doesn't look like that like breastfeeding a toddler, it looks very different than breastfeeding a newborn. Can you talk a little bit about that and your experience around that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, breastfeeding a toddler is is very different from breastfeeding a newborn. Once once a baby is over a year, they're getting a lot more of their calories and their nutrition from table foods. And so they don't rely on, of course, the breast milk is still is packed full of nutrients for them. But it's not their primary source of calories at that point for, for most, most toddlers. So they don't need to nurse as often. They don't need to um, take in as much volume as, of breast milk, but it can be a really useful tool for um, comforting a child if they get injured, if they're experiencing big emotions for just helping them with emotional regulation. And so a toddler may uh, be playing, they may come over to kind of check in and to have that moment of connection and they may want to nurse. It's usually very brief if they do that and they kind of go back to their playing. So it's not like you're stuck on the couch breastfeeding for 30 minutes every two or three hours like you would be with a newborn. It's, um, no, they can kind of do it on the go. It, It doesn't have to necessarily be in, you know, the same position with specific pillows to get the proper position. They they might do it standing up. They might do it and like hanging on you upside down. It's just sort of part of their day. And it's just like a little moment here and a little moment there. And sometimes they just need that connection. What else? Yeah, for me, like when I continued nursing my oldest after my second was born, it felt like a good way for us to continue to have that bonding when he he was used to getting all the attention from us before his sibling came along. And just to kind of be able to reassure him that he, we still had that bond, even though he was not the only, only child in the house anymore. It just felt really special to be able to continue to, to have that connection with him. And did you nurse him throughout the entire pregnancy and kept going or did he stop and then ask to nurse again after your second arrived? He continued through the whole pregnancy. He didn't didn't never seem to um, notice any decrease in supply, never seemed to mm-hmm. notice any change in taste, or if he did notice, it never seemed to affect his his nursing behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the fact that it's, it's becomes more like a parenting tool, right? Because in the beginning, you know, 
breastfeeding so stressful and you're just focused on feeding your baby and getting your baby to gain appropriately and making sure that, you know, your baby's peeing and pooping enough. But as the baby gets older, it does really become useful for so many things. And for us, it was just like with you, it was like, the boob solved everything. It solved everything. If you had a boo-boo, put a, put the boob in the mouth and it would be fine. And the same thing with my oldest, when, when they would start to have tantrums, I could end the tantrum very quickly just by saying, Hey, you want a nurse? We're in my house. We called it nanas. So we'd say, Oh, do you want nanas? And they would briefly nurse and be like, okay, all better now. So like you said, with the emotional regulation. And in fact, when I got pregnant with my second, my first self weaned, I had, I was all excited about tandem nursing them. And as soon as the supply dropped, Brooke was like, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm all set. And I wasn't ready. So I remember being like, are you sure? Are you sure? And then they had a tantrum and I was like, I don't know what to do because usually I just put the boob in your mouth and that stops the tantrum. <laughs> so it really becomes like the magic everything. But and then as the baby, you know, as, as my kids got older, it was less and less and less about the food and more and more about the closeness and the contact and the, and the um, comfort. Absolutely. Yeah, it can really be, I mean, it can really alleviate any stressful situation for a child who is used to having that moment of connection to just be able to have that one or two minutes of time. So when you were nearing the end of your nursing relationship with your first, at that point, how many times a day was he nursing? He was probably nursing like maybe three or four times a day, just briefly. Um, he was still getting up overnight to nurse, um, maybe like once overnight. Mm-hmm. And then probably like once in the morning, once before nap and once before bed. Mm-hmm. And they were they were usually pretty brief. It was not like he was nursing for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember that with my kids too, when they were toddlers, they were basically just nurse to go to sleep, like nurse at nap time and bedtime and maybe in the morning. And that was it. It wasn't, except for if they got a boo-boo or something like that. Yeah, that was pretty much similar to our situation. Yeah, yeah. And how easy was it to wean him when you were ready? It was relatively easy. I mean, since it was primarily at those, um, like before sleep times, we just looked at my husband's work schedule, found a stretch of like five days in a row where he was either like off at bedtime so he'd be able to just do bedtime. And we kind of just picked based on what was convenient for him to do the nighttime routine. And the first probably one or two days for hard. And then after that, it was kind of, he was on my, my kid was on to the next thing and was over it. It was not as bad as I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And for some toddlers, you have to get like a little more creative I've had some families throw a weaning party for their older babies or toddlers uh, where you celebrate, you know, you pick a day and you say, okay, after this day, you're not going to nurse anymore. And you have a party with maybe like a boob cake or something. I don't know. (laughs) And celebrate the fact that, you know, they're a big kid and don't need to nurse anymore. But oftentimes you're still... Like, for example, you said that your first was still waking up uh, once a night. And a lot of times people think, oh, I'm going to wean because I don't want to wake up at night anymore without realizing that that might not be, they're not waking up because they're hungry at that age. They're waking up because they need you. And so Mm -hmm. if you did decide to wean at that point, you would still be, you know, your child will still be waking you up and you have to replace the nursing with something that gives him, gives them that connection and that comfort and that sense of safety. Yes, absolutely. And I think what we did is that my husband slept in his room with him. And so when he did wake up, my husband was there to calm him. And I think for him, just having that one-on-one time with my husband was also like special to him, mm-hmm. not having to share him. It was just just the two of them. And so he was able to kind of diffuse any any big feelings pretty easily just by being there and and comforting him. Yeah, I love that. So what about with your second? My second, he probably weaned when he was about, probably about 26 months or so. Mm-hmm. So a little bit longer. He, a little bit longer. He and my third child are 21 and a half months apart. 
maybe it was closer to like 20, maybe it was closer to two years. It was a little bit longer than my, than my first, but, um, he also nursed all through my pregnancy with my, my third. And, um, again, no change in nursing behaviors with any, you know, change in taste or change in, in supply or flow. Like he just, he continued nursing all along and, um, pretty much the same thing. Like I just continued to nurse him for several months after she was born and then decided we were ready. And the, I would say the weaning process was pretty similar to with my oldest more anticipation and, and uh, worry on my part, but went pretty mm-hmm. smoothly. Nice. And then your, your other kids, what about them? So my daughter and my youngest are two and a half years apart and she probably nursed until she was 29 or 30 months. I sort of thought I would nurse her a little bit longer. No, I no. she weaned around 29 or 30 months, but she sort of simultaneously potty trained. And I was kind of hoping to hold off on the potty training a little bit longer. No, I'm, I'm totally saying that wrong. She was probably like 32 months. I was hoping to hold off on the potty training a little bit longer because I had planned to wean her around that time. And I didn't really want her to have these big transitions at the same time. Mm-hmm. But she just, she, she decided she was potty training. And that was it. So it all kind of happened at once. And she's got leadership okay. skills. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that she does. <laughs> and so she it seems really like does. with each kid, you've gone a little bit longer, a little bit longer before weaning. What about your last? My last, I went longer than any of the others. He weaned when he was about four years and four months. Wow. And um, that was not really my intention. Like I always sort of thought I'd wean him between two and a half and three years like I had with my daughter. But because of the pandemic, my plan sort of changed. Um, He was probably the most attached to breastfeeding out of any of my children and I knew it was going to be hard to wean him. And once we were in lockdown and we were home all the time, I just thought to myself, like, there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Like, it's just, there's just no way I can, I'm going to get him to wean. And so we just kind of continued. I didn't, I guess I didn't really feel a rush to wean him. I was at the time home full time with the kids. My husband was working a lot and um, was not maybe as available to, to be on all hands on deck for helping with the bedtime. And but he was, I mean, up until he weaned at over four years, waking up multiple times a night to nurse. So I knew he was going to be the hardest and um, because the pandemic and I was able to get vaccinated much earlier. So I kind of thought, well, I'll just keep nursing because he's getting antibodies from me mm-hmm. from my COVID vaccines. And um there's only so much distraction I can offer him. He was nursing more times throughout the day than any of my other children were when they weaned as well. Mm-hmm. And so I just waited until we were able to get more out in the world and have more opportunities to distract him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably but, Yeah, just smart. never what I expected. Yeah, but it never really goes quite how you expect it, right? If you exactly. had told me, I mean, I was not that attached to breastfeeding to begin with until someone asked me that question. And I was like, oh, I, I better research it. And then I did. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. But I remember thinking like, okay, I want to try to make it to a year. I want to try. And then once the year hit, it was like such an, in, like an integrated part of our life. I couldn't imagine just like taking it away just because they hit a certain age, like happy birthday. Now you don't get this thing that has offered you nutrition and immunities and comfort too bad. So sad. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, uh, you just kind of like keep going because it's like, well, why not? It's working and it's working really well for us. So why not keep going? Yes, absolutely. And I think that um, having like, especially when you're starting out your breastfeeding journey, having smaller goals is really helpful. Like, I don't think if I had started breastfeeding my first and thought like, I'm going to feed him till almost two years. Like, I don't, I feel like that would have felt overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But just as our, as our journey progressed and evolved, it just felt like that was right for us. And I think that it's important to just kind of take it one day at a time and set smaller goals and kind of be in the moment and not look too far ahead at the big mm-hmm. picture. Because mm-hmm. I think it can be overwhelming. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, even if you do have that goal of like, okay, I want to make it to a year, any major goal that you have, you want to break down yes. into like smaller, more attainable goals. And so that's when I could say, okay, my ultimate goal is a year, but I'm going to try for the first month and make it to months too. One question I had for you is, did you get any negative feedback or flack about breastfeeding past the year from family, friends, strangers? Were you still nursing your kids in public once they were over a year or were you only doing it? Well, some of your kids, you weren't going anywhere because it was the pandemic, but. Yeah, I absolutely nursed my first three in public, like when they were were toddlers. I, I was never very um, modest about that. Like it really from early on, I did not shy away from breastfeeding in public. And even as they were toddlers, I guess it never felt strange to me to breastfeed a toddler in public because it was just our norm at home. It just felt like we're doing our thing and we just happened to be out. I probably got some strange looks like no one ever said anything to me publicly. I did get the occasional like, oh, you're still nursing from friends, probably occasionally family members too. But I honestly just kind of brushed it off. I never really gave too much weight to what they were saying. This was our journey and I wasn't really going to let anyone else kind of assert their opinions and, you know, make me think there was, there was anything we were doing that was not, you know, the biological norm or that was strange or unexpected. It was just how things were going for us. And that was, that was the way we did it. And I just wouldn't let it bother me. Love that. Yeah. I think when I was nursing past the year, I think my friends and families knew better than to say anything to me at that point I had learned. I don't, I didn't actually breastfeed in public too often once they were past the year because we were homeschooling and we were going places and it was like, go, 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 go a lot. But I do remember that I went over uh, another couple's house. It was one of those situations where my husband at the time was friends with that guy and they wanted us wives to meet, you know, like when your husbands are setting the wives up on a date anyway. So she had a very young baby. And I think my for oldest was about 15 months old and we were sitting on the kitchen floor playing with the kids and Brooke just came over and curled up in my lap and asked her. So I started nursing her and after, and I'm talking to this other mom the whole time. And Brooke was probably there for like 15 minutes and we were talking about like raising babies and the other mom said, Oh, are, are you still breastfeeding? And I was like, yeah, I'm breastfeeding right now. And she was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. I thought she was just sleeping in your arms. So it made me think like how many times have I been nursing out in public and people haven't even noticed, but I was the same thing. Like I, I don't, I didn't care what people thought. And in fact, I was definitely you know, were you, were you a pull your shirt up or pull your boob out of your shirt? Cause I was definitely like pull my boob up over the collar of my shirt because I was actually more nervous about people seeing my stomach than they, than it was about them seeing my boob. So it was just kind of like my boob would just kind of be hanging out a little bit, but they block the baby blocks most of it from view anyway. Yeah. Especially when it's a toddler, a larger baby that's mm-hmm. just bigger in your arms. But I, I always pulled my shirt up. Or my my toddler would pull my shirt up for me mm. when they wanted to nurse. Mm-hmm. They were not shy about doing that. Yeah, I just, I guess also I maybe wasn't as conscious of nursing in public just because, again, it was so short. Like I might sit down on the bench at a museum or mm-hmm. like a, a playground or something and I'd nurse them and be done and back to what we were doing before anyone really noticed that we, we had left because mm-hmm. it was quick. Do you remember about, this was like years ago, 2012, Time Magazine came out with that infamous cover of the mom with her toddler standing on a chair nursing and it said, are you mom enough? Do you remember this this Time cover? I do. I vaguely remember it. Yes. And people just lost their ever loving minds. They just lost their minds over this cover. And I do feel like obviously the photographer and Time Magazine was obviously trying to make a statement, a little bit of clickbait there. But I think if you do not grow up in a culture where you see toddlers nursing on a regular basis, it can be, and you, and you don't have friends or family that nurse, you don't grow, you don't have like little kids in your life in general it can be a little shocking and jarring to see. 
So I, I had my first when I was 21, but if I was like 19 and was out in the public and saw some random parent nursing their four-year-old, I might have had the same response because I've just never been exposed to that. And do you agree like that there's a difference in people who grew up surrounded by breastfeeding and people who don't and their reactions to seeing things like that Time Magazine cover? Absolutely. Um, I think there's a big difference and. In- just like I mean, we've we've already talked about how a lot of breast a lot of birth parents start out breastfeeding and then the rates fall off dramatically. So it may seem normal to people to breastfeed a teeny tiny baby, but as they get older, it's more it's not something that's seen as commonly. So if you don't have close family or friends who breastfed you might be totally shocked to see an older baby nursing and just not realize that mm-hmm. that's something that people do. Yeah. I almost I also, wish that I had been able to nurse my youngest like in public more because at that point I was a lot more educated and knowledgeable about breastfeeding and the benefits of breastfeeding and what is, you know, the biologic norm around the world that I I feel like if people had commented, I would have been more able to reply with something that was more um I had more like like a more quality response than than maybe just like a react like an emotional reaction if someone had commented when I was was feeding my was breastfeeding my first out in public I would have just mm-hmm. been able to say something a little bit more like educational or so I don't know something like that Yeah, I kind of went through that phase where you know I had my first very young and I felt like a very defensive parent because I didn't feel, I didn't have friends who had babies. I was the first one. I was the first one of all my siblings and cousins and the support that I did have wasn't very supportive. So I felt like I was walking around like almost like like something to prove or a chip on my shoulder. And if someone had said anything to me with my first, I would have given a very angry, sarcastic, nasty response. And then with my second, I probably would have that point I was more relaxed and confident in my parenting and less defensive and put probably would have been like, this is, you know, an edu- an educational response. Then by the time I had my third, I probably would not have responded at all because it's like, I don't give a shit what you think. I don't know you. You don't know me. Like, why are you, why do you care? <laughs> you know, yeah. I do feel like totally there understand. are more parents who are nursing past a year and two years and three years. But it's just like bed sharing, right? You do it and a lot of families do it, but you just don't talk about it because there is that stigma and you are afraid of being shamed, especially in the U.S. where even pediatricians will discourage, you know, well, you're not still nursing, are you? And I remember with my second that I got asked that question by the pediatrician, like, you're not still nursing. And it wasn't the pediatrician, it was the nurse in beforehand. But, and I remember... I was like, oh no, who does that? That would be weird. But because it's like, I can't even bother with you right now. So I'll just agree with you. So you leave me alone. But yeah, I had an experience similar to that when I took my my youngest for a well child visit for his four-year well child visit. And he was like four years and two months at the time. And one of the providers in the office made like made a comment. I can't remember if I was breastfeeding him in the office or if she asked and I I responded that I was still breastfeeding him and she made some comment about how I shouldn't be or whatever. And and I was confident enough in what I was doing to say, you know what, this is what's working for us. And I don't really need your, your input on that. Like Mm -hmm. this, this is what we're doing. I love that. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit. (laughs) I kind of want to play like a little game. (laughs) I'm going to read off typically when it, when you see arguments about ex- biological nursing or nursing past a certain age, I'm going to read off some of the arguments against it. And I just want to see how, like, what would your response be? Is that all right? Okay. Sure. Okay. All right. So first thing that people say, once they have teeth, you, sh- you shouldn't breastfeed. They're too old for it. Some babies get teeth. I mean, babies tend to teeth around six months, but some babies get teeth well before then. They absolutely still benefit from from breastfeeding just both nutritionally um, for so many other reasons like just bonding that skin to skin that closeness emotional mm-hmm. regulation regulation of vital signs brain growth lots of babies are 
Uh, lots of babies do go through phases when they're teething where they might, it might be painful for the breastfeeding parent, but just because they have teeth is, is not necessarily a reason to, to stop breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yep. I had someone say that to me and I was like, well, some babies are born with teeth, which is true. So what are you going to tell those babies? They can't breastfeed at all. Right. <laughs> Another common thing I heard say is once they can ask for it, they're too old for it. We already touched on this a little bit, but just, yeah, when they can ask for it, they probably are in that, you know, around a year, a little bit older. I mean, some other younger babies who maybe aren't verbal will have their ways of of communicating that they want to nurse. But we already talked about how beneficial it can be for just that connection for mm-hmm. that, you know, for for calming down an upset toddler who's who's mm-hmm. gotten injured, who's upset about something, how it can be just such a great tool in your parenting toolbox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I would probably say something like that too. Some, another thing that I've said is, well, they ask her since day one, you know, they're not asking in the English language, but they are asking, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Very true. Those, I feel like people who say that don't have a good um, idea or concept. First of all, when I hear that specific one being said, I feel like I hear a lot from men. So it makes sense that they don't have as they're not in tune to like a baby's communication, which I guess is a generalization against men, but you know what I mean? Like babies communicate, babies ask for things. We know what our babies are asking for. We work with parents who are like, Oh, that's his, I'm hungry cry. That's his, I need a diaper change cry. That's his, I want to be picked up cry. So yeah, your baby's been asking for it since day one. And then the last response that I hear is once the baby hits a year old, you're doing it for yourself, not for your baby. I hate that one. I hate that one. That is absolutely not true. Um, Mm -hmm. At that point, it's still, I mean, again, you know, they're still, you're still getting the bonding. They are still getting nutrition from the breast Mm -hmm. milk. It's not the same as the nutrition they're getting when they're just days old, but they're still getting nutrition. They're still getting that connection, that closeness and immunity antibodies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's still really beneficial for them. I mean, they're, of course, there are situations where we see signs that babies are interested in weaning and parents want to continue, but that's not typically mm-hmm. what we see. Yeah. And I think people who make that statement are like, again, do not understand what it's really like to be a breastfeeding parent. You get so touched out. You get So if anyone's going to sit there and tell me you breastfed that long for your own enjoyment or for your own, no, no. You think that it's, breastfeeding is not easy. Like it can make your life easy in a lot of ways, but it's not mm-hmm. easy. So you're telling me that I'm going to have my three-year-old crawl all over me and ask to, to nurse because I want that? No, it's like, I want what's best for him. And for us, this is what we have decided is what's best for him. But that's that always was like very triggering statement to me. Like you're just doing it for yourself at that point. Cause like you have no idea how hard this is. And if there was like an easier way out to take, you know, that had the same benefits provided the babies, I would totally take it. <laughs> yes. I I can totally relate to that touched out feeling. Do you have any tips or final words of advice for for a parent who is considering breastfeeding um, past a year or already is and kind of struggling with getting pushback or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say just kind of lean into uh, what's the biological norm around the world, because just because that's not what we see here in the United States doesn't mean that it's abnormal to breastfeed beyond a year. Um, and I think you just have to kind of take it one day at a time and just, you know, what feels right to you and your family is going to change over time. So just kind of go what feels right to you. I would also encourage you if you, um, you know, if breastfeeding has been a large part of your, like for me, breastfeeding became such a part of my identity because I was breastfeeding four kids over many, many, many years. And, um, when you just when you do decide that you're done, just be prepared for it to be emotional for you, even if you know that's best for you and your family. 
And I would also encourage you to um, save some express breast milk to get like a, a memento or something made to kind of um, to to just kind of keep on hand to to remember your journey. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and you did that, correct? Or did they say you didn't have I, enough? I tried to. Oh, but that's right. I waited too long after I had weaned and I wasn't able to express enough breast milk to to get something made, but I really regret that I didn't. So do you remember the name of the company you were going through and what they were going to create for you? If you got enough milk, I was going to get a neck, uh, a ring. I think it was a ring that, Mm -hmm. I mean, it almost looked like a pearl made out of breast milk. It was really beautiful. I don't remember the name of the company right now, but I think I found it from like a New York times article. Oh, here it is. It was, Keepsakes by Grace. Love it. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot of companies that do that where you can send them some breast milk and they'll turn it into jewelry or some other memento keepsake for you. I didn't know about those. I don't actually know if they were even around, to be honest. Like my youngest is 12. I don't know about I didn't know if they had them. I wish, I wish that I did know about them and I wish that I had. Because I was pregnant or breastfeeding for seven years straight. I mean, so it did end up being a huge part of my life. And I, I, I do get sad that I don't have anything physical to commemorate it or anything like that. Yes. I do like that. And I think I've told you this story before, but after I had weaned... So Hunter nursed longest, like three years old. And after I had weaned him, it had been maybe like um, a few months and... I was getting, I was buying a dress. So I had him in the changing room with me and I was trying on the dress and, and my housemate had called it Nana's. And he looked up at me and he goes, you still have Nana's? And I was like, yeah, they're still there. They don't go away. <laughs> and he's like, do they still have milk in them? And I was like, nope. And he's like, oh, I drink it all. And I was like, yeah. And he was just like, his little face was beaming. He was like so proud of himself and that he remembered nursing. I mean, now, you know, I'm sure if I asked him, he would not remember nursing. But it's nice how even though a number of months had passed, he still looked at that experience fondly and was happy about that he had had breastfed. So... That's really sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story about biological nursing. And I think it's something that we really need to talk about so parents can know that there are people out here in the U.S. that are quite a few that are doing biological nursing. They just don't talk about it as much. I do think that biological nursing groups are like on Facebook, they call them extended breastfeeding groups. If you're if you're struggling with getting support with breastfeeding past the year, it can be helpful to join those groups and talk and meet with other moms who are breastfeeding, you know, when their baby's one or two years old. Would you agree yeah, with that? It was that? great to talk to you. Yeah. And I agree that it's definitely it can definitely be helpful to seek out resources like that if you don't know anyone who's had a similar experience, just to know that you're not in it alone. Yeah, you're definitely not alone. And you can always DM us on Instagram and we'll support you too <laughs> if you need a cheerleading squad. <laughs> Thank you so much, Phoebe. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through pregnancy and beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening.